Hey, you may not be a farmer, but I want to ask you, are you planting corn, bamboo, or walnut trees? Hey, stick around. We're going to talk about why you need to be doing all three. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Hey, we're going to take care of business. Welcome into August. Here we are at the tail end of 2022. This is the year we all wanted to get here. It got here, and now we're looking right down the neck of 2023. Well, hope you're on track with what you wanted to accomplish for this year. We're all continuing to move toward the goals that we set, the things we want to accomplish. And again, that's true no matter what stage of life you're in. Now, today we're going to be talking about responding to questions from a couple of people who are concerned about their stage of life. So that's going to be kind of a theme for us. So one of the questions is, I'm scared of the future. Now that I'm going to be 60, I'm scared of winding down, scared of being a has-been. Somebody else says, where do I start to look for what is out there to consider now that I've retired? It seems so vast a venture. All right, now our quotation comes from Anias Nin, who said, we see the world not as it is, but as we are. Now, that's going to be real important as we kind of unpack this question today. We see the world not as it is, but as we are. I mean, every person looks through the eyes of our own experience, our background, our prejudices, our preconceived notions. I mean, all of those kind of things. All right, now our resource for today is going to be my own kind of compilation of the stages of life. Now, you'll have to go to the podcast notes at our 48days.com website to find it there. But uh, stages of life, I've been working on this because I keep coming back to this. I keep talking to people who are concerned about where they are. I mean, I talk to people who are, you know, 88, who think they missed their opportunity. But you know what? I also talk to people who are 27, who say, gee, I majored in the wrong thing in college. I should have never gone to law school. And they give the impression that having made a wrong decision early in life like that, now they just have to kind of coast into the grave. And I think, oh my goodness, don't view it like that. You aren't even old enough to ask the right questions yet. Welcome your early life experiences as a process for giving you clarity for what it is you want to go into. I mean, that's what the value of those early career decisions is primarily is to help you figure out what you don't want to do. All right. Well, you know that I'm responding to real questions here. You can submit your question. If you go to 48days.com slash ask Dan, you can leave it there, either in an audio format or type it out as most people do. And if I use it on the podcast here, I'll send you an autographed copy of 48 Days to the Work You Love. Now, I'm also going to be reminding you in here, this process, we're doing this month of listening to The Strangest Secret. We got a whole group of people who are, in fact, listening to the audio recording, The Strangest Secret, that I reference over and over again as having had a tremendous impact on me as just a young farm kid. And we're this month listening to it every day for 30 days. It's absolutely free, and we'll put a link again in the show notes for that. You can find it anywhere out there if you want to. It's 32 minutes long, but I am like a lot of other people. I'm listening to it every day, every day this month. going to listen to that. It's amazing to me, having listened to it so many times over the years, 
the new things I keep hearing and how I, I keep jotting down. I usually listen to it while I'm walking in the morning, but I keep jotting things down on my little pad that I want to remember, that I want to bring back and integrate into other things. It's just, again, that process. We hear things when we're ready for them. Oh, when when the teacher, when the student is ready, the teacher appears, that old kind of adage. I mean, that tends to be true. And I'm at a different place in life than I was when I first listened to the recording. And that's true every day that I listen to it. But anyway, I'll remind you of what we're doing there. We got a little contest going on with that as well. But it's going to be, again, an integral part of what we're talking about here today because we do become what we think about. And that is the premise of The Strangest Secret. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we, we sent out a little, just a little encouraging note to people. And it had to do with fear, overcoming fear. And we referenced in there Michael McGreevy, who's one of our coaches, about he overcame what he called his debilitating anxiety. He talked about just as a young kid, how he had a lot of fears and anxieties, and he took those with him into college, feeling paralyzed at times. You know, his friends didn't know what was wrong with him. He said, one of the biggest fears I had was not living up to my potential. That frightened me to my core. I was scared of wasting my life, my talents, Michael says. And that's when he was, you know, in his early 20s, that's what he was feeling. So this isn't something that just increases over time or something that just shows up when somebody retires. No, he had this debilitating fear and anxiety. So what did he do? And we went through a list of things that he did in there. He confronted his fixed mindset that he was just not born a confident person. No, he decided he was going to work on developing a growth mindset because he believed that it was possible. And he walked right through that process. He committed himself to walk through the process of building up his confidence. And he describes in this note that he still continues to work on that today. He realized that being scared or uncomfortable is often part of growing. Having some fear means that you're being challenged, you're stretching yourself. So we had a lot of response to that. Got a lot of response to that, just helping people identify, what are you afraid of? What is it that's holding you back? So I've got a note here. Well, and, and also I want to share with you Jim Rohn, one of the people that we quote frequently. He says, do you put up walls around you for protection? Most of us do, because it seems nice to feel safe and warm within those walls. But oftentimes, those same walls block your ability to experience all the wonderful things that life has to offer. Okay, so now we've kind of set the stage. So got a note from Richard, a one of many, and Richard said, Hi, Dan, this really rang a bell with me. I have a lot of fear right now. I'm 59. Now, I chose this because it's just in an age range. You know, some of you are older. Um, many of you are younger than that. Doesn't matter where you are. These are things you may identify with. But he says, Richard says, I'm 59, have a wonderful wife and three young children, young adult children. Okay, I'll yeah, reframe that. Three young adult children, a good job, practically no debt, retirement savings, a laundry list of professional achievements. I'm in good health, but I'm scared. As Dave Ramsey would say, I'm better than I would deserve. I'm scared of the future now that I'm going to be 60. I'm scared of winding down, scared of being a has-been, scared of getting old and what that will bring. Scared that time no longer feels endless. Scared of major change that's on its way and the big, big decisions that will need to be made. I feel like I'm in a fight or flight mode. 
and frankly, lost what to do next in the seemingly very limited time remaining on this earth. Do I now just live it up or go into a quiet mode of contemplation and solitude? I've never emailed you before, but I'm at a crossroads of confusion, anxiety, frustration, and fear. Look forward to hearing from you. Well, Richard, thank you for your note. We're going to kind of jump into that. You're going to use that as a frame for this short podcast today. Also got a note from Susan, who says, I retired four years ago from 40 years working as an administration assistant at a, at a private nonprofit. I want to fulfill God's purpose for my life. I've started listening to your show and write down tips. I don't want to limit myself as my tendency is to take whatever I can get and be grateful. Quote, I've tried to hide my boredom and stay with jobs. You've taught me it is okay to be a starter and not just stay a lifetime. Where do I look to, where do I start to look for what is out there to consider? It seems so vast a venture. Okay. Now let me just kind of frame these questions and probably some things that as some of you listening are thinking as you're listening to these people frame their questions, their fears about a new stage of life. We all know that our professional, physical, and mental decline is inevitable. Or is it? Now, certainly, you know me, I'm going to flip the switch on that. Is it really? Is that just inevitable that our professional, physical, and mental decline is coming? Now, here's, here's a note. This comes from a study out of the University of California. It says, on average, the peak of creative careers occurs at about 20 years after career inception. Hence the finding that people usually start declining somewhere between 35 and 50. Now, how's that strike you? You're going to peak. See, what, what, what happens, typically people see their life as kind of an inverted bell curve. So it's, it's like a bell. You start off, you come up, and you peak at some point, and that probably includes, you know, professionally, physically, mentally, and then just decline. They see that as one big curb. So the question then is, when is that peak? When do you hit that peak? Now, if you're laying railroad ties and doing extreme physical labor, maybe that is 35. You know, if, if it's playing in the NFL, it may be 25. If it's uh, writing a new country song, it may be, you know, 28 when you peak with achy, breaky heart or something like that, have one big hit, and then just kind of fade out. Well, interesting question for all of us to confront. But here, here's the deal. If you have low expectations and never accomplish much, you probably won't suffer much as you start to age and your career starts, starts to decline. So if you never really did much, it may not be much different. But if you achieve a recognizable level of excellence and are deeply invested in your work, you can feel pretty irrelevant when your fame starts to diminish. I mean, studies do show that people who have achieved greatly in their professional lives tend to be unhappier as they move toward retirement. Leaders specifically tend to be lonelier as they age, because they have invested more in their business success than in their relationships. Now, having said that, what would it look like if you could create a second curve, or third, or fourth? 
where you created a new surge in what you were doing, a new season that was meaningful, fulfilling, and profitable, where it wasn't just one, but it would be another one. We hear a lot about encore careers. Somebody retires, you know, 53 years old, they get a pension, and then they start a new career. It's becoming more and more popular. We hear about that. I mean, personally, I want to be starting those new curves. I mean, when I'm 95, when we start in a new curb. But the, the issue here is that we tend to have clear expectations. We have habits. I mean, habits include a whole lot of areas of our lives. Habits are learned. But the positive thing is, just like Michael McGreevy and his dealing with fear, habits can be unlearned, even including our emotional habits. Because what we believe with feeling becomes your reality. Or out of the strangest secret that we've talked about, we become what we think about. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. We go back to our quotation again for today. We see the world not as it is, but as we are. That's the critical thing here, Richard, about going into this new season of life. If you think that it's going to mean less, less fulfillment, less income, less meaning, poorer health, those things really set the stage for, in reality, what you're probably going to experience. But at 59, almost 60, wow, I mean, we have so many stories. I should have pulled some of them up, but certainly the stories like, Colonel Sanders, who at 65 got his first Social Security check, and it was, I think it was $101 for the month, if I'm correct in my recollection. And he thought, wow, I can learn to just kind of live on this or I can do something else. And that's when he started going out sharing his chicken recipe. Went to a whole lot of places who were not interested, and they had somebody who agreed to give him five cents per meal that they fixed using his recipe. And it made him a millionaire and a whole lot of other people as well. But anyway, we've got a lot of stories about people whose success came late in life. Now, we hear about the the child wonders, you know, the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world and people like that. That's pretty rare. Usually, success comes later in life because it's a compilation of things that somebody has achieved, learned, experienced, and all of that. And then it leads to something significant. But you could certainly do that. Decide, what do you want this next season of life to look like? What do you want that to be? Now, let me just remind you here about, I I want to share with you the stages of life as I've kind of unpacked them, but I also want to remind you about what we're doing with The Strangest Secret because it's so relevant to what we're talking about here. We become what we think about, no matter if you're 13 or if you're 53 or 83. We become what we think about. Now that, we'll put a link there again. I've, I've, I linked to a YouTube video of Earl Nightingale talking about that, going through the strangest secret. You can find it in a lot of places, but I'll put a link to it in the show notes again. And then what we've got is a whole lot of people who are, in fact, listening to it every day this month, the month of August. Now, if you haven't started yet, that's okay. You can start now and do your 30 days. It doesn't matter. It's, 30 days sequentially is what I recommend, and he challenges you to do that in the recording. But what I want then 
is before September 5th. You got until September 5th to submit a story to me telling how you are controlling your thinking. What shaped you to be the person you are today? What did you do to change what was the predicted trajectory of your life? And what are you doing daily to keep the negatives out of your house? So just do that. Again, we'll have the, the notes for my expectations there. You can send your story in to same place. You can ask a question. Just go to 48days.com slash askdan. Now, growing older is just a mathematical ticking of the clock. But as you grow older... You can either just grow older or you can grow wiser or you have more to offer. I mean, we, we want the growth of your wisdom to outpace the number of your birthdays. I mean, and, and people don't grow old. They, when they stop growing, they become old. I mean, certainly you've seen people who at 91, you know, Peter Drucker um, was in his 90s. You know, and he still had people who wanted to come and sit with him and just listen to him because he had so much wisdom that was accumulation of his years of going through the journey. You know, our, our whole life should be a journey toward wisdom. And that's one thing that I want to have more and more prominent in my life is wisdom. That's a concept that I study greatly. My new book, An Understanding Heart, is based on the idea that when Solomon asked or God for, you know, God said you can ask for anything you want. Solomon, we recommend or remember him as being the wisest man who ever lived. But when you read the story, he never asked for wisdom. He said, give me an understanding heart. So the definition, as I view that story of wisdom, is starting with an understanding heart. So I, I want more of that. I recently read a book titled From Strength to the strength recommended by a podcast listener, a couple. The author of the book is Arthur C. Brooks, not author, but Arthur C. Brooks. The subtitle is Finding Success, Happiness, and Deep Purpose in the Second Half of Life. It's been really enjoyable, and certainly I would recommend it if you're interested in this, just this idea of creating the next surge in your life. There are other books out there like Halftime by Bob Buford and others talking about how to continue significance even if you have moved through pretty um, important levels of success. Significance. How do you mean make your life significant? But this book's from strength to strength. It's a new book. I've enjoyed it, made a lot of notes on it, have it all tagged up already, and actually I'm using that as kind of a framework for an event that we've got coming up in October. Now, I want to wrap up here a little bit just by talking about these stages of life to hopefully in, encourage you know, both Susan and Richard in this, these transitions that they're facing and any of the rest of you who are concerned about going through the stages of life as well. But we do have these stages that we go through. So here's what I've identified. In our 20s, I call this learning. For each decade, I've got a title, learning. And again, I will have this posted in the show notes. Learning in our 20s. This is a decade where you try lots of things to see which one motivates you. Often this is called the critical decade in which we establish spending, saving habits. We make relational, educational decisions that are going to direct us for the rest of our lives. That's in our 20s, learning. Then the 30s are experimenting. This is a decade where you sort out your interest to eliminate the ones that don't fit who you are. 
Now, a lot of you are in your 40s, and here I call this mastering. This is the 10-year decade where you focus on those things you've kept after your experimenting process. So a lot of things you eliminated there, but these are things you kept to develop your skills and become an expert in something. And then your 50s is reaping. This is a period where you reap the rewards of the decisions you've made in the previous decades and create systems to reach your highest earning potential. And that often happens in your six, in your 50s. Then in the 60s, I call this guiding. The decade where you mentor others with the wisdom you gained in your prior years and leverage your major life message. See, you can hear there, there's, there's a growing significance, not a decreasing significance, but a growing significance if you really map your life out with purpose. And in the 70s, I call leaving a legacy, the decade where you put things in place to live on when you're no longer here. And this is a decade where you can be seen as the elder, the sage, a contributor of wisdom. I mean, that's a pretty honorable thing to do. Um, I mean, I think it's something not to be feared, but to be welcomed. And then the 80s, I call that maximizing your zone of genius. You hear me talk about zone of genius, where you, you well, this is a decade where you spend 75% of your time doing the one thing you do best. I mean, think about the joy of that. We see people who age who decide they want to, you know, write a book, or they want to mentor young kids, or they want to work with a nonprofit organization that they've always cared about. And they move into doing primarily that. Now, we also see, you know, I see a lot of people around me who move into the one thing. I don't think it's something they just are proud of or that they do best. And that's, you know, playing golf every single day of the year. I'm like, really? Is that the most significant thing you can? I I better be careful here. I know a lot of you probably enjoy golf and that's fine. But uh, to spend that much time doing it, uh, certainly there's something else that has more significance, I would hope, when you're in your 80s. Now, that's as far as I've gotten at this point. I haven't gone into 90s or 100s. I need to add those, and I will as time goes on. But right now, I've worked through these. So again, the decades starting with 20s are learning, then experimenting, mastering, reaping, guiding, leaving a legacy, maximizing your zone of genius. Now, what happens when there's a challenge, we tend to back down a stage. We see that happen a lot. You know, just gather more knowledge. I mean, when there's massive layoffs, even like the last two years we went through, you know, a lot of companies, you know, laid off, people were uncertain. What do they do? They go back to school. You know, maybe I could do better if I had an MBA or maybe I need a law degree or maybe I need my master's in organizational development. Thousands and thousands of people flock back to schools because they, in essence, go down a level. They go down to doing what most people do in their 20s because backing up a stage seems to be a safer thing to do. So I hope that you're confident moving through and that you can welcome this new stage. And Richard, as you go into your 60s, that you can welcome that new stage and identify clearly what is it that you're going to be able to pass on as the wisdom that you've gained in your prior years. And what are you going to do to do to leverage your major life message? That's what I've indicated in the, in the 60s here. So let me wrap up with an adage and explain my intro today. That is, if you plant corn, it'll mature in 180 days. If you plant bamboo, 
it will mature in five years. If you plant walnut trees, they will mature in 40 years. Now, guess what? And as I indicated, right as we started out, my recommendation is that you're doing all three at every stage of life. What are you doing that's going to have the results in 180 days? That's six months. What are you going to do now that'll really, you'll reap the rewards five years from now? And what are you doing now where the benefit will be at its maximum or really fully developed in 40 years? Now, I don't care if you're already 80 years old. Do think, plant walnut trees. I mean, that's a literal thing that I've always enjoyed doing is planting trees, knowing that, you know, many of those are going to mature after I'm long gone. That's fine. I still enjoy the process of seeing just the beginnings of those and knowing that they will be. I've got an oak tree in the front of our yard that near as we can estimate it's about 230 years old based on the size and development and all that. It's a, a live oak being here in Florida. It's a massive tree. It's a massive span and height. But I'm thankful that somebody planted that who's no longer around, and I get to enjoy it. And I hope that somebody will be enjoying it long after I'm gone as well. So I want you to welcome your stage of life. And if you're 16, fantastic. You're going into that decade where you can learn, make major decisions that are going to create patterns for you for the rest of your life. What a, what a wonderful time to be doing that. If you're in your 20s or 30s or 40s, wherever you happen to be, I hope you welcome that stage of life and lean into it as you plan for the future that you want. You can create the next season of life. You're not just a victim. You're not just on the receiving end. No, you can create the next season of your life. Not as less, but perhaps as more significant, each season being deeper and wiser than the one preceding it. Then accept the wonderful advantages of the next stage of life with grace, joy, and an ever-deepening sense of purpose. Again, just remember, we see the world not as it is, but as we are. Hey, I want to encourage you, if you're one of those who are listening to The Strangest Secret every day, what a fun process. I'll be thinking about you as I'm out walking in the mornings, listening, doing my listening for the day and taking notes. We'll be adding more in the notes here on the podcast, just things that come from that. Just inevitable, the things that we're listening to, reading, hearing, are going to be part of our daily lives. And thus, that helps us see the world as we are in a very positive way. That's what we want. Well, hey, we're going to wrap things up here. wanted to stay with that one theme instead of um, diluting it with other kinds of questions. We'll come back to those again next week. Again, if you got questions, we welcome those. It's an honor to go through those, help unpack them here together. Um, just go to 48days.com slash askdan. You can leave it there. And if I use it here, we'll send you an autographed copy of 48 Days to the Work You Love. I love sending those out. I usually send those out the same day that I record the podcast. So um, those should be there really quickly if you hear your question here. And of course, we'll, my granddaughter sends a note out to those people and lets them know in the interim anyway. Anyway, so if I use your question, you get a note from my granddaughter, Clara, letting you know that I'm going to be responding to it on the podcast. And then we got a gift for you on the way to you. So thanks for listening. Thanks for sending in your questions. Thanks for being open to growing and for being a powerful force for making the world a better place. Again, you know my encouragement. 
you know, I don't ask for reviews of this. Those seem to be kind of stagnant. But if you enjoy the podcast and think of somebody that could benefit from it, maybe, you know, somebody who's retiring or somebody who was just let go unexpectedly and is kind of concerned about the next season of life, share this with them. You know, send this to them as an encouragement. They'll thank you for it. You'll become known as a person who offers positivity for hope and encouragement. I mean, you want to be that kind of that kind of person. Stay committed to your belief that we can, without a shadow of a doubt, find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable.